0: Welcome to Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. I'm your host for the show, Trish Robichaud, disability inclusion coach, facilitator, author, and motivational speaker. I'm a woman with a disability, but I'm definitely not a disabled woman. So there. The Accessibility Talk with Trish radio show can be heard live on Wednesdays at 1130 Eastern at accesstalkwithtrish.com, or you can listen live to past show recordings on demand at any time at the same address or on iTunes, if that's how you roll. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. And on that note, I'd like to introduce my guest for this week, Amy Kapal. Amy's career has been focused on learning and development across multiple sectors and disciplines for over a decade. She's passionate about creating meaningful learning opportunities that positively impact lives and communities. Joining Curriculum Services Canada in 2006... Amy soon became the CEO of their Learnography and its charitable affiliate, My Class Needs Foundation, in 2009. Prior to Learnography, she oversaw the development of multiple teaching programs, both online and face-to-face, at the Learning Disabilities Association of Ontario. Awesome. As a lifelong champion of accessibility, Amy is proud of the many accessibility-related learning programs at Learnography, including the free online course on the AODA called Access Forward, and we have some history there. Her Her organization champions both accessible training in all of their work and has spearheaded a number of initiatives on accessibility, inclusion, and diversity. Amy applies her broad education background, which includes teaching in Canada and Japan, cool, to all national and international initiatives she oversees. She holds a master's of education in workplace and adult learning. Welcome Amy, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, I'm excited to be here.
0: I understand that you grew up with disability in the family. Can you tell us about how that shaped your perspective on life?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so my brother, John, who passed away over 20 years ago, was born with cerebral palsy. And so he was my older brother, which for me meant that I only knew what it was like to have a sibling with a disability. I always say I was born into his world. And so for us, that meant a wheelchair in the home. It meant a uh, uh, lift into the home and eventually an elevator as well. It meant that choices for us in terms of where we went as a family were very much informed by what was accessible and available, and I'll say that particularly in the 70s and 80s, that was a little bit of a different landscape than it is today. So it really helped me to understand in a clear and ongoing way in my life um, what it meant to live with disability and some of the barriers to access that existed at that time, some of which continue today. Wow. I can't
0: imagine having such an extensive exposure to the disability world as you did with your brother. And what a blessing. What a huge blessing that was that he brought to your life.
1: You know, I still feel that way and did uh, throughout my childhood and and early adulthood as well. You know, uh, my brother was one of my greatest teachers, and he taught me a lot of things that other people couldn't teach. And one of those was nonverbal communication. So my brother never did speak, and we had a very active communication in our lives. It just had to happen in nonverbal ways. And so he expanded my thinking in my world in so many ways. And I think that's something that people often miss when they see someone with a disability. They see something or someone through a more narrow vantage point. And that's really the opposite of my experience because really um, people who have experienced barriers to access or who have to um, find other ways of communicating as my brother did actually Expand those horizons they don't narrow them
0: you know I, I hear exactly what you're saying and I'm thinking the gift this 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 um, learning how to communicate without verbal anything so you could talk to him right yep um, nonverbal communication was his first language right um, That's so right
1: and he was well versed in letting people know what he thought and what he wanted without having to say a word <laughs>
0: So God bless him for being opinionated as well, right? <laughs>
1: Definitely.
0: The, the world got to know him as a result, right? People with disabilities, especially with uh, physical disabilities, um, to the extent that your brother had, one of the most common misperceptions is, is for people with CP is people assume that they're, they have an intellectual disability as well, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I experienced that uh, throughout uh, so many different experiences with my brother that, you know, people would lay eyes on him and make a set of assumptions without actually getting to know the individual. And I think one of the other things that I learned through that experience is you just cannot look at a person and think, oh, I know you, I know who you are, I know what you bring to the table. You really have to get to know someone to understand what's going on for them and who they are and what they bring to the proverbial table in any hmm. conversation. So that's a, another big thing that I learned early on in life as a result of, you know, those kinds of experiences with my brother.
0: You know, I'm going to do a little leap here. I, I'm going to, I'm going to be so presumptuous as to say that your brother had a lot to do with your career. Because you know, you'd be right though. My next question to you was, so what drew you to building accessible learning environments? Well, hello, that's exactly what you knew.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I will say even from one of my very first jobs, um, I have always loved swimming, and I knew I wanted to be a swimming teacher as a teenager. Um, But where I ended up doing that was um, as a part of a rehab facility, working with Um, both kids and adults um, with physical disabilities, Uh, and that was just a more familiar kind of environment for me, and I knew that I was up for some of the unique nuances that that would bring, uh, having Mm -hmm. to adapt to different physical parameters for people, and that was the first in a series of many, many steps in my career where accessibility has been either a forefront or an indirect kind of theme um, you mentioned in some of my background I worked for several years at the Learning Disabilities Association and now mm-hmm. all the kinds of work that we're doing at learnography around um, accessible learning you know there's a lot of work to be done still on making sure that we are creating learning experiences for people at any age or stage of life where they get to access that full learning experience and it it really depends on how we build it and how we offer it
0: isn't it just truly miraculous how when you build an inclusive learning environment Not only does it enable people of all abilities to access that learning, but it makes the learning so much more richer and so much more uh, experiential and rewarding for people of any ability level.
1: Well, you know, Trish, I know you've experienced this in many different ways over the years, but when we build something that's truly accessible, whether it's learning or otherwise, it's good for everybody, So it helps -hmm. to raise the bar uh, for everybody in terms of that learning experience. So I completely agree with that.
0: Speaking of raising the bar, I remember you being lead on the Access Forward project for the Accessibility Director of Ontario. How did that project evolve your AQ, your accessibility intelligence?
1: (laughs) Um, Great question. Yeah, that was such a fantastic project to be a part of, and it it really helped uh, us as an organization kind of get to the next level of um, contribution around accessibility in Ontario. So Access Forward, as some of your listeners probably know, is a free uh, online training program that's available not only to people of Ontario, but broadly as well, and you can check that out at accessforward.ca. And what we have done with that training, and we've refreshed it as well in the last few years, is help people to understand the standards for the AODA and what that means or things they need to think about in their particular workplace. So to your question about how that helps to increase my AQ, it really gave me a sense of some of the other accessibility issues that I haven't interacted with as much. Or from a different perspective. So, what Mm -hmm. I love about the way the AODA is designed is that it helps people to look at it and think about it according to different standards. And so, being a part of that project, working with experts like you and people from so many different fields and disciplines, I really learned that I I, I scratched the surface in terms of knowledge on accessibility and the, the way to move us all forward, whether it's in the province of Ontario or beyond is to learn from each other on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely and bravo like seriously have to say bravo Um, the access forward project as you know not all government projects um, uh, make the grade so to speak and eventually disappear Mm -hmm. but access forward has been built upon and as you said you've done refreshes on that um, and I just want to say it was certainly an honor to be involved in uh, content development for the pro- for that program for you guys. Of course, I had to throw that little dig in there.
1: <laughs> um,
0: it <laughs> for was. Sure. It was um, it's truly amazing to see all that that program access forward uh, offers, not just, you know, your which the one thing that most small businesses need right now desperately, if they haven't done their training and with their um, uh, their um, reporting deadline coming up is is to send be able to send an employee to a specific link and say, take this training Um, and then send me your certificate, basically. Um, But it also provides um, uh, modules, PowerPoint modules that you can download so that as an accessibility uh, person responsible for accessibility within a small organization, you can actually deliver that training yourself, correct? Does it still have the...
1: Yeah, one of the ways we originally designed Access Forward, and we wanted to maintain this in our refresh of it as well, is that you can access each of the training modules in a multitude of formats. So that's one of the ways that we make sure it's accessible to people um, who uh, want to work with or use the content in different modalities and formats. So uh, certainly a PowerPoint is one way. Uh, Usually we're working on a minimum of four. So we want people to be able to watch it, read it, hear it, or present it. So uh, to your point, being able to um, present the content and uh, share it within your environment. We want access forward. And a lot of the other work that we do in this area to stimulate more conversation. So we want people to take this back to their workplace because you can't just go through this training and be done. You then need to look at, okay, how are we as an organization, depending on what kind of organization you are, compliant with this legislation, and if we're not in certain areas, what do we need to do? So that's where those presentations can be really valuable in terms of stimulating that next step of conversation and making sure that you're looking at what are your requirements and how are you fulfilling them?
0: And giving you the resources to do so, the knowledge. Exactly. Very good. We're going to go to a commercial break, Amy. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about Japan.
2: Japan. <laughs> Devon has been with his company for over five years, since before his legs started giving him trouble. He loves his job, he's great at it, and he plans to stay with the company till retirement if possible. Problem is, it's getting difficult for him to walk from his desk to the washroom. His supervisor, Aisha, lets Devon know that she's noticed he's having some trouble. She suggests they move his desk closer to the entrance and the washroom. Devon is relieved and agrees. This is an example of a basic accommodation that helps make a workplace inclusive. Did you know that 50% of accommodations don't cost a dime and 80% cost $500 or less? The inclusion of people with disabilities in the workforce is the best answer to our current labor shortages. And making businesses accessible to customers with disabilities sees you tapping into their $32 billion spending power. Sound good? Then let a Changing Paces warm and friendly expert take you by the hand and walk you through the steps to making your business accessible to everyone. Visit us at changingpaces.com today.
0: And we're back. Amy, I am so intrigued by your experience teaching in Japan. How about sharing, get this, please share one joy-filled memory from the trip and one learning moment.
1: Ooh, One joy-filled memory and one learning moment. Um, Okay, I'm going to start with the learning moment. Uh, I think one of the biggest eye-openers for me in uh that experience because i did go to teach in a high school in japan and i had previously been teaching in toronto was that the mythology that we have about education and education systems in other countries can be different from the reality so when you read articles about what happens in a country like japan or certainly other countries around the world we hear about perhaps best practices or worst practices for that matter but it isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily a reflection of what happens day to day within the schools. And so I had the privilege of working in more than one school and frankly, neither of them reflected what I had expected to see based on what we think those kinds of schools are doing, you know, based on what you might read in the paper or in education magazines or things like that. So my learning moment was, Always ask yourself if there's more to the story than what you hear in the news or read online. And that is something I've Mm. never forgotten based on that experience.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So that's my learning moment. And my joy-filled moment um, was uh, discovering one of my absolute favorite places in Japan called Arashiyama, which is a small um, city I guess technically it would be a city that's near Kyoto and so Kyoto is known around the world for being this beautiful historical city and the sites there are amazing but what made um, this place arashiyama such a joy filled experience for me was that it was quiet and they had this beautiful bamboo forest there where you'd see these huge tall bamboo trees which um, I gave a different quality to the sound in the area and the light in the area. But the thing that I appreciated the most was how quiet it was in such a busy hustle-bustle country where people are really operating in much closer proximity to each other than we're used to in Canada because the population mm-hmm. density is so much greater. And so the joy mm-hmm. for me was the quiet and the space. And I still hold that image very clearly in my mind.
0: Beautiful. That uh, that must be a lovely source of uh, tranquility when you reflect on it now. Yeah. As an active international player and advocate in the field of accessible learning, do you see Canadian corporations getting the message about making education accessible to learners of all abilities? In short, are we getting any better?
1: You know, I honestly have to say yes. We are getting better. Um, I'm an optimistic person, so I'll frame my comments that way. Um, I will also give significant credit to legislative requirements like the AODA in helping us to get better because there's no Mm -hmm. question that that kind of pressure um, makes a big difference in terms of making sure that people pay attention to this and we work not only on content related to accessibility but we do learning in uh, lots of ways that doesn't focus on accessibility as, as content but where we need to make sure that the learning in and of itself is accessible and being able to lean on those legislative requirements helps us to support the conversations with the kinds of clients that we work with to say Ah, we have to do we have to it's like muscle right we have to do this folks i know it might feel like you know it's not necessary in your environment even though it is um but but this is why we've got to do it so we're but again it's about perception yeah we're getting better but we are the getting legislation better. makes a difference and and I think the other thing that it's really done and I suspect you've seen this too is that it just helps people to be better informed it it really reminds them they've got to consider this.
0: and I, I agree with you um uh, yes there are you know there are numerous short followings um, to the legislation just like any other piece of legislation um but Overall, I think the AODA is the best thing that happened to not only Ontario, but it's one of the best things that happened to Canada and, and North America and the world, because Ontario has set um, set a, a standard for um uh, for compliance-based legislation as opposed to complaint-based. And this compliance-based is way more powerful. Its effect um, is far more, you know, greater reaching. I'm, I'm thrilled um, that the AODA is in Ontario. I'm, I'm concerned about whether we're going to make our objective by 2025, as many are. Amy, do you have one or two recommendations for accessible, inclusive work environments that you like to leave our listeners with?
1: Hmm, that's such a good question. Recommendations for accessible and inclusive work environments. So one recommendation would be uh, try not to make your decisions based on uh, what you see right now, but based on what's possible or, or what's coming. So, for example, we have conversations with people who say, you know, but we don't have anybody who needs that. Okay, well, you don't Mm. maybe have anybody who needs that right now, but what does it open it up to you in terms of employees or potential clients if you made your workplace, for example, your learning, for example, more accessible? So I I would really encourage uh, looking at things not from, for example, the demographic of your current employees or clients, uh, but rather what your potential or employee, uh, potential employee or client base could be, right, um, mm-hmm. so sort of being more expansive in the thinking and being more forward-looking. And then I think the other piece would be to go beyond the legislation. Um, you know, Ontario is well-recognized around the world for this legislation, and rightfully so. So the other piece that I would recommend is going beyond the legislation. So, you know, you've pointed out that Ontario is well-recognized and rightfully so for this legislation and that we're looked to, even on an international basis, um, to, you know, uh, recognize the kind of accomplishments that we've had. But there are things that organizations can do in particular that can go beyond the legislation and make a huge, huge difference. If we look at something like physical space where things may have been grandparented, for example, is there a way for you to go beyond your requirements and make your space more accessible? Um, We looked at this when we moved into our new space very recently and we knew that there were some things that our landlord wasn't obligated to do because of the age of the building, but we said, this is really important to us and it's part of who we are and we've got to make sure that there are pieces that are accessible that go beyond the requirements. And so I think that would be my other recommendation is is to go beyond the legislative requirements.
0: Awesome. Can you give me an example of that as in the example in your building?
1: Yeah. So we looked at this with our washrooms. Um, we didn't have to have accessible washroom doors, but we knew that that was something that was important because we have people coming into our office space who need those accessible doors for a variety of reasons so yes we paid for them ourselves because it wasn't a requirement for the landlord but we knew that had to be done because it aligned with our values and our priorities and our our uh places and organization and so it was a no-brainer to make sure that we had that
0: fabulous great example great example can you think of another
1: um Going beyond um, the legislation, I kind of want to move beyond the physical space and see if I can um, think about uh, something else. So, you know, I, as you know, in terms of the requirements, there are different requirements for organizations based on the size of the organization. And so, one of the other things that we do in talking with our clients is okay, as a small organization, your legislative requirements are this. Well, what potential opens up for you if you actually need a greater standard? Um, Mm -hmm. And what will that how will that send a different message if you do that to stretch yourself? And so if nothing else, that stimulates a conversation that I think is quite useful um, Mm -hmm. to sort of just not do it as a, a more mechanical activity of we have to do this just because we're required. But, well, what makes sense in this case and what what's the potential if you actually go beyond that?
0: right and when you start thinking about when you're thinking about going beyond the legislation it's it's then it becomes about doing it because it's the right thing to do doing it because it benefits everyone all of those little power doors you don't think power doors benefit women with strollers and people with mobility challenges and and uh and seniors and uh, and people in a hurry, you know.
1: Exactly. Um, and and that's the thing is you can't just say oh well we might not have somebody who needs that. Well, how many different kinds of folks would benefit?
0: And and the thing is when people say I don't have anybody that 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 needs that, I always remind people that one in seven to one in five. People have a disability, whether you know it or not. If you have 20 yeah. employees, yeah. you have employees with disabilities. You just don't know it. Yeah,
1: yeah. so when I was at the Learning Disabilities Association, we uh, certainly dealt with issues related to invisible disability and helping people to understand how to navigate systems around invisible disabilities. And just because you can't see something doesn't mean that there isn't accommodation or or uh, discussion required. Right. So, Amy, tell me,
0: if any of our listeners want to contact you about your services, how can they do that?
1: Sure. So they can go to our website at learnography.ca, L-E-A-R-N-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y.ca, um, you're also welcome to email me directly. I'm Amy C, so that's amyc, at learnography.ca. I'm on Twitter as well, so I'm um, happy to have a dialogue there. I'm at Amy amycoupal, A-M-Y-C-O-U-P-A-L. I do tweet regularly about accessibility uh, in lots of different environments, so it's an area of particular passion and interest for me, as you know, and that's one of the ways that I'm able to share that out. So love to connect with people who are working in this area and love to learn more because I, I know that there is a vast wealth of knowledge and experience out there. And I really benefit from connecting with people um, who shed a light on something that I am not familiar with or don't understand and uh, grateful for those opportunities as well.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Amy. This, this interview has been such a joy. Um, I I thank you. I thank your brother. What's your brother's name, by the way? What was his name? John. John. Well, thank you very much, John. And Amy, it's been a blessing, and I look forward to us connecting again next time.
1: Me too, and I want to thank you, Trish, because you're doing amazing work in lots of ways, including with this show. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, spend this time with you, so thanks.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners so much for joining us for today's episode of Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. Please join us again next week. Um, Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. Till next time, take self-care seriously and God bless.